Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. From stellar brawls and stellar deaths to the Yorp effect, this week we look at stellar science. Now, what happens when two stars get towards the end of their life? Well, it can get pretty riled and rough and leave behind a trail of nebula and gas clouds to study and analyse. Plus, we find out about the Yorp effect and what that may mean for the end of life of the solar system and studying the weather on the sun and some surprisingly low energy particles. The scale of space often is something that takes a long time to get your head around. Things that seem small and tiny specks of light can sometimes turn out to be giant planets, stars thousands of times larger than our own sun, or even a galaxy filled with millions of stars. Now researchers in Chile in the Atacama Desert, using the Atacama Large Millimeter Array, ALMA, have been studying a section of space which is filled with tiny gas particles coalescing over a large region of space to form a brilliant gas cloud. But this peculiar gas cloud isn't exciting because the gas cloud itself contains some strange and unusual thing. No, it's interesting because it's all that's left over after a colossal brawl between two stars, which left the stars to leave behind just this gas cloud as the remnants. Now, like humans, stars change with age and ultimately die. Now, our sun will eventually do that too. It will swell in size and expand and expand and expand as it burns through all its hydrogen core. And it will expand out to become a giant bright red red giant star. Then, of course, it will lose the outer layers, they'll all wisp away, and it will leave behind a hot and dense star called a white dwarf. Now, that's the fate that awaits our sun billions of years from now. But in space, we can actually find this process occurring all the time. And in the star system HD 101584, you can actually see that death process in action. But what they've actually found in this remnants of this gas cloud is that that get death process, that swelling and then shrinking, was rudely and dramatically interrupted. Now, in our solar system, we have the sun, a single star. But that's not necessarily the most common format for all stars. In fact, it's quite common for stars to have another pair, a nearby star, binary star systems. Now, if a star starts to swell and go through this death stage, it may start to interact with a nearby companion star or a binary star, and especially if it has a smaller or lower mass. And, well, that can lead to things getting incredibly messy. Now, the researchers were able to piece this all together through the complex structure of the gas left behind in this gas cloud nebula. Because by studying these remnants, we can see what happened to cause this strange, strange situation. And in fact, it was a fight between a dying star and its companion neighbour. That's what researchers from the Chalmers University of Technology in Sweden have published in the journal Astronomy and Astrophysics. Now, the double star system in HD 101584, one of those stars started to swell up and die as it slowly turned into a red giant before obviously later coalescing back into a white dwarf. But as the first star swelled into this massive red giant, the neighbouring star, the smaller one, started to spiral in towards the giant's core. But it didn't have enough gravitational strength to pull the two stars together and collide. And that would have been pretty spectacular. 
No, it didn't really have a massive accident. They just came to blows and spiraled downwards towards the giant's core, stripping apart and leaving behind all these debris as the outermost layers of that star was just shredded off through gravitational force. Now, this was happening as one star was spiraling towards the other. So you can imagine streaking through space, all of this gas being pulled and streaming off one star towards another. And that's what's leaving behind such an amazing nebula because all of this spiraling, interswirling jets of gas are blasting from one place to the other, forming rings of gas and bright bluish and reddish blobs all the way scattered across this nebula. And this is pretty exciting for the scientists to actually look back and find. And that's what researchers like Elizabeth Humphrey from the European Space Agency in Chile highlighted. Both the physics and the chemistry in action in the gas cloud are stunning. And this particular circumstance that led to these two stars fighting have actually left behind a beautiful and an amazingly complex graveyard or fight crime scene to investigate. That's what researchers from the European Space Agency are doing right now, trying to piece together what happened and all the amazing new chemicals and materials that can be formed in the depths of space. And this gives scientists a much better detail into not only what makes up a star, how stars live, and how stars go out in a blaze of glory, with fists swinging, knocking out other stars in the process. And it also gives a really important insight into nebula, because nebula are also the birthplace of future stars. So understanding how they end up with their strange composition and shapes is also incredibly important for understanding how stars form in our universe. Now this is some great research by the European Space Agency, published in the journal Astronomy and Astrophysics. So we just talked about main sequence stars like our sun and what happens when they swell into red giants towards the end of their life cycles. And now we're going to talk about not something happening far, far away, but something a little bit closer to home in our own solar system. Obviously not right now, but billions of years in the future. And in this future that we're talking about, we're also going to talk about one of my favorite effects known in science. It also has the best name, and that is, of course, the YORP effect. It's named after four scientists, Yarkovsky, O'Keefe, Radzewski, and Paddock, who were all involved in formulating, developing, and expanding this idea. Now, this is a pretty funny concept, but basically, you can imagine it like this. You know, if you leave something out in the sun, it'll heat up, and that makes sense. But if you leave an object that's got two different colors on it, you may notice that one area, as opposed to the other, will get hotter than that side. A black side will get hotter than the white side, as an example. Now, if you expand this concept to a more unevenly shaped object, somewhere where that has some areas in shade, other ones that are fully exposed, you'll again see that some areas will get colder and hotter. And that again makes sense. Now, this sort of variance over an object can lead to things happening. You can get air circulation patterns changing and moving around it. But in space, you don't have any of that. But you also don't have any gravity, or at least large strong force acting gravity. So small amounts of radiation and heat and energy can actually push you. And with nothing there to resist that motion, you can actually start to spin. So an object in space, especially if it's uneven or has variances in absorption, 
conductivity of radiation will start to change and slowly move based purely on solar radiation. Just all of that light being emitted will start to potentially make that object move. Just small amounts at first, but over time, that'll start to build up and build up. So all of the bombarding of the solar energy on an object like, say, an asteroid or a small satellite, if it's not counted, will eventually cause that to spin. And sometimes, depending on the shape and the amount of radiation hitting there, it can spin a lot. Now, if you left it unconstrained, all the force and radiation bombarding a small asteroid with a strange shape, well, that uneven radiation will create an imbalance. That imbalance creates that torque effect, that spinning, that eventually continually speed up that spinning asteroids. Play that out over millions and millions of years, well, you could get a really fast rotating asteroid that could complete a rotation every two hours. And that would be enough ultimately to probably cause that asteroid to tear itself apart into smaller and smaller pieces. Then that smaller piece has exactly the same process happen to it again, which starts to spin, spin, spin faster and faster and faster before tearing itself apart yet again. And this leads this cascade of failures of an asteroid just spinning itself apart. And this is a pretty fantastic concept to think about, but when you think about how many asteroids are in our solar system and what will happen to them when our sun starts to die, it becomes quite fascinating. So researchers from the University of Warwick's Astronomy and Astrophysics Group have been digging into this concept, especially Dr. Dimitri Veras, and they've recently published the monthly notices of the Royal Astronomical Society. Now, we know that the sun will swell up to become a red giant as it gets to the end of its life. That is well documented and understood. But what also happens is that its luminosity will increase 10,000 volt, which means it starts giving out huge orders of magnitude more radiation. And this intense electromagnetic radiation and a more expanded star will mean that the asteroids in our solar system right now, the ones close in in the asteroid belt, the ones further out even in the Cupid belt, will all be bombarded with even more radiation which of course will supercharge the YORP effect. And based upon this, the University of Warwick researchers are suggesting that the majority of the stars in the universe, when they go, and these main sequence stars, into this red giant phase, will eventually bombard all these small asteroids around their solar systems with enough radiation to force them to spin themselves apart. And even our own solar system will basically get destroyed by the sun over time. And that is a pretty amazing thing to think about. Now, of course, the further away you get, the effect lessens, because there's more distance and less intensity of the radiation. But the Yorp effect can still break up asteroids hundreds of astronomical units away from the star. And that's much further away than where Neptune or Pluto resides. But the important part to remember is that this effect, the Yorp effect, really only applies to small objects. Anything larger than, say, Pluto has enough internal size and strength to have inertia to resist the stellar radiation force. Small objects, though, are the ones that are the greatest at risk. And that means that across our universe, happening time and time again, is small objects, small asteroids, small rocks, small things, getting turned apart, spinning themselves to destruction, just by the gentle presence of sunlight falling. What can be seen to be such 
a deceptively small and weak force over time becomes incredibly powerful. Much in the same way that the wind over thousands of years can erode a mountain or the ocean, the waves crashing onto a beach can make a sharp rock smooth. The same thing happens to asteroids in space with a stellar wind, except they don't become smooth, they just spin themselves so fast until they explode into pieces, which in turn spin themselves even faster, until a cascade of small dust pieces are all spinning so fast they've fragmented into thousands of little pieces. And that's exactly what fate awaits many of the asteroids in our solar system in about 6 billion years. In the meantime, you've just learned about the Yorp effect, the spectacular and fascinating reaction where, whereby in which objects spin themselves to destruction. And this is some great research from the University Warwick published in the monthly notices of the Royal Astronomical Society, which lays out what will happen to our solar system and many of them around us. So we've talked about what happens at the end of a sun's life, but what about just during the regular lulls and falls of stellar life? Well, you may know that in particular our sun has an activity spike. Some years it's really, really explosive and unleashes all kinds of solar winds and solar flares or coronal mass ejections. And then it has a bit of a lull. And this cycles roughly around 11 years. Roughly around every 11 years, the solar equatorial regions start to emit slower solar wind streams, which uh, travel only around 1 million miles per hour, while the poles are busy spewing out much faster streams that travel around 2 million miles per hour. And all of this different weather activity, all these emissions from the sun, change over time. And that's what scientists are hoping to study, including researchers from NASA like Dr. Mahir Desai, are using the Parker Solar Probe, or the PSP. Now, the Parker Solar Probe is going to fly pretty close to the sun, within 4 million miles of the sun's surface, which is pretty amazing to think about. And it'll be collecting new types of solar data to help scientists understand how solar events, like coronal mass ejections, occur, how frequently they occur, what forms them, whether or not we can try and predict them. Now, things like coronal mass ejections not only can cause immense havoc here on Earth and destroy satellites, they can also make amazing things like when they bombard our upper Earth atmosphere, the northern lights. So these high-energy solar particles, SEPs, can present a serious radiation threat to people on the ground, but more importantly to people up in space, crewed missions of the International Space Station or trips, say, to Mars, if they were hit by one of these things, it would cause havoc for them and be quite fatal as a very high dose of radiation. Now, this is the first time a space mission has actually gone up there to make direct measurements of both high energy and also the low energy sources of particles as well on the sun. Now, the high energy ones are the ones that are hazardous, but the low energy ones may tell us something interesting. And for the first time, researchers have actually identified, even before the missions really got into full swing, some of these lower energy particles. Now, when we talked earlier about these two different streams, the slower stream around the equator and the more rapid stream around the poles, these streams of solar particles coming out of the sun at 
2 million miles an hour. These streams also interact with each other, much in the same way that our ocean currents do. Fast-moving streams tend to overtake the slower streams that sort of originate in different regions of the sun. And this makes a turbulent layer where the streams sort of bombard and bounce around and influence each other, sometimes even producing shock waves and other accelerated particles. Now, what can happen is that some of these particles can get left over, these sort of byproducts of all these collisions and crashings between these currents. And these are pretty low energy at particles compared to the high energy ones being shot out of the sun at a rapid speed. Now, all of this data is part of a much larger mission to get a better idea of our sun and that's what the Parker Solar Probe along with other missions like Stereo, a solar energy probe, are trying to collect because the sun plays an essential pivotal role to all life here on earth but can also interact with ruin life and ruin your day if you're a satellite up there getting caught in a solar storm. So trying to understand the mechanisms and exactly how these currents and weather on the sun works is important. And this is the first signs coming out of the Parker Solar Probe of some interesting data and how we could apply this potentially to protecting spaceships as well as crew up in space in future missions because it's not just the high energy particles we need to consider but also some of the low energy ones as well. This research was published in the Astrophysics Supp Journal Supplementary Series. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. From the Yorp effect to what happens when stars brawl and die, along with studying the weather on the sun, we looked at a lot of different sources of stellar science here this week. Our ending theme was composed by Audio and Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.